Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 16, where we talk with Ryan Keeling. Start slow, and I, I think everybody should start slow if you're interested in rotational grazing at all. I don't think you need to jump into daily moves to two times a day, move to four times a day. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. On today's episode, we talk with Ryan Keeling of Keeling Farm in Kansas about his beef cattle operation and his journey from traditional agriculture to a more regenerative approach. Ryan, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. Thank you, Cal. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your operation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we are a uh, small farm uh, located in South Central Kansas. Um, we're 40 miles west of Wichita, um, near a town called Kingman. And, uh, we're on 560 acres out here. And, uh, I was just talking to my wife a few days ago about this. I believe I am fifth generation and, uh, I got a little boy and a little girl. They'll be, they'll be the sixth. So we've been, the Keelings, uh, have been out here for a long time. We have a, a beef cow operation. Um, it's been my dad's forever. And um, we have 100 mama cows that, um, that I currently take care of. And um, we kind of got into this regenerative grazing and um, holistic management, however you want to say that. We got into this line of thought uh, through like many of your other guests, through Greg Judy. Um, I started back in 20, 2015 um, listening to him through podcasts and through YouTube, some of his talks while I was working at a desk job and would just consume him on repeat. And, and it, it, he just hit home for me in so many ways. And I, I, um, I have a passion uh, for health that's i actually have a health promotion and wellness degree and that kind of got me interested in food and where food came from and how food was raised and quality of food and and lo and behold we have a farm so <laughs> it it kind of uh that worked out good yeah yeah it was kind of a roundabout you know i don't have an ag degree or anything of that sort which is a hindrance in some ways, but in some ways gives me a unique perspective to, to come at this thing. So I, uh, when I heard Greg start talking about, uh, the things he was talking about and I thought, well, we have a cow herd and we have land, you know, why, why can't I do some of this stuff? So that's kind of how I start. And we, um, we moved back to the farm in 2017, uh, me and my wife and uh, started started slowly. It's been a long process to get to where we are now, which isn't. We're still in a beginning stage, but um, it's been it's been fun. It's been good. It's been hard, but it's it's been it's been educational. We've learned a lot. Very good. Now you said yeah. you moved back in 2017. Before that, was your dad running cows? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've had cows out here forever. Um, he's had cows his whole life. Um, his grandpa had cows out here. So they there's always been a cow herd out here. It's just, it's now being managed differently. 
What was the management like when you start hearing about regenerative agriculture and Greg Judy? Well, it was the classic uh, set stock, and it's I'm very lucky to be out here to be have the opportunity to do this. You know, my dad kept cows around, and, and so I'm appreciative. But um, at the same time, he 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 runs a trucking business. Uh, he hauls hay and cattle, and he is very very busy. And um, so everything was set stocked. Um, not really any emphasis put toward genetics. It, the bulls were left in year round. We, we have an infestation of Eastern red cedar and a lot of different trees, a lot of hedge trees. So our pastures are overgrown, no water development. I mean, no fencing. Our corral was broke down. It's still half the way is we're, we're working on that. We got the alley and shoot fixed. But, so, yeah, I mean, almost no infrastructure. So you've been reading about these practices that Greg Judy puts in and your dad's been at home running cattle the way he's been running cows for years. How did you broaden the subject with your dad about implementing some of these regenerative practices? Yeah, that's, man, that's a great question, Cal. Um, that is, it, it hasn't been always easy. Um, he has, he has allowed me to do this though. He's kind of just given me the reins. He's busy enough with what he has going on that he was kind of tired of feeding the cows and taking care of them anyways. He questions some things that I'm doing and why I'm doing them, but he's accepting enough to let me do them. And that's kind of the big part. So I've, I've kind of taken the, oh, taken it hook, line and sinker and we're, you know, implementing, uh, rotational grazing, going to daily moves. Uh, we're going to hopefully be moving to multiple times a day per move. So it's going to be, uh, more learning, but, um, yeah, it's just, we, we, as we go down the rabbit hole, we keep, we keep going further and I'm, I'm seeing some results and it's a slow process, but it's, it's one, it's one I'm willing to take. So when you started, Ryan, when you moved from continuous grazing to rotational yeah. grazing, did you go whole hog and jump right into daily moves? Or what was that process like? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what we did there was we, we, we did start slow. And I, I think everybody should start slow if you're interested in rotational grazing at all. I don't think you need to jump into daily moves to two times a day, move to four times a day. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to do that. I think it's worth it to do that. Um, oh yes, I believe that. But but getting there is tough, and that a, a lot of it for us comes down to and came down to just like a lot of people is infrastructure. Um, getting your fences set up, learning how to build the fence, getting your water line set up, um, and I I can talk about the water lines too. Um, that was a really big that 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 is that is truly fundamental to making this whole thing work. If you don't have water, you can't put them tight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It just, it just, you just fight yourself, you know, and you're, you're, they, they make lanes back to ponds and it, you just, you, you just need to have the water and it's, it's worth it. So, um, I can go ahead and tell you real quick on the water, kind of what I did. Yes. Please go ahead and tell us about your watering system and how you got it installed and how it's going now. Okay, sure, sure. 
Yeah, so um, I had been to a few farms. Um, I was actually lucky enough to go out to Greg's place uh, at one point when I was still living up in the Kansas City area. And um, I got to see his place, and I got hooked up with um, some other people who were at a uh, conference that I was at at Greg's place and went and stayed out at their house and saw their watering systems and just kind of looked at some different things. And um, we went ahead and went with the Quick Connects, like a lot of, a lot of people have. Um, I do like them. And so what we did was we uh, put a well in at the north end of the property. It's um, almost a section, just a pure square section. We're a little short. Um, we don't have a full 640 acres. But um, at, the, at the north end, we drilled a well and um, put in a submersible pump and we had power line running right beside that so it's um, it's really nice it's a pressurized system uh, two inch line um, and we ran 11,000 feet so we put in a lot of line oh wow yeah and, and it's not cheap but um, but I will say that I wouldn't I wouldn't be here or I wouldn't be attempting to do the grazing I'm doing um, without the NRCS they've been They've been huge. They, ha they did a cost share program with us and allowed us to get to this point because it's, it's not cheap to run that water line, but it's, so we put in risers every 250 feet um, and we teed off both ways and came down in the middles of our pastures on both sides. So I, I think 250 feet was a little excessive to have a water point at, you know, at every interval like that, but um, but now that I'm going to be implementing even more intensive grazing, I think that I think I think I'm really going to like it. So um, and then we we do, uh, you know, we do what Greg does as far as um, on the water line or as far as the float and the valve and everything. We, we quick connect into that and then have a um, Job mega flow just with a uh, 50 gallon tank that we water our, our whole herd out of. So you have a 50 gallon tank for how many head? A hundred yeah. head? Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, I was kind of worried about that when we, when we started and, uh, it, it is true what they say. If, if they are close to water, they'll come in pairs. So it's, it's actually never, never really a problem at all. Um, they're close to it and we have exceptional pressure. That two inch water line just gives you, I have 15 gallon a minute pressure across the 11,000 feet. So yeah, it's wonderful pressure. I, I, I can't recommend going big on your water line if you can, because it's worth it. <laughs> so Ryan, you said the NRCS helped you on uh, the watering system. Mm -hmm. How was that process? Um, it was actually fairly easy. I mean, we drew up a plan um, ran the schematics or they did, you know, to make sure that what I was doing would work. And it's, um, you know, they, you, you are essentially in charge of getting the project done and they will cost share so much of the expense to put it in. And it didn't, it didn't cover all of it, but you know, water is such a vital thing that man, anything that they, they did cover was well worth it. So, you know, and then we hired, we hired that all done. We had a guy come out. Um, he did a really good job. He had a ditch witch and just submerged it in, just trenched it in. Well, it wasn't even really trenching it. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, he had a 
he had a big jackhammer. I mean, it was quite a, I think there's a video of it on our Instagram, but, um, and it made it really nice because that way you didn't have to backfill. It just piped it in 42 inches deep. And so we never worry about frost line or anything. I mean, it's just, it's, it's in there. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to this conference at Greg Judy's. How was that? Yeah, it was, let me think of the name here of it. It wasn't truly a conference so much as it was a, uh, okay, uh, it was the Green Hill Grazing Project. And it's a really interesting group up there. They're, they're, they're really progressive up in that area with their grazing management and cattle management. And, um, they got a group that they get together once a month and uh, go to different farms and take farm tours and look at the different operations. And it, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened to be at Greg's place. And so I asked to go and they said, come on out. And I, I met uh, Lauren and Linda Bogner, which is a wonderful couple um, at Greg's place. And I wound up buying uh, uh, some of our grass genetic cattle from. You covered a little bit about genetics there. What kind of genetics did your dad have in his herd? And what are you doing now with your genetics? And where do you see yourself going with those genetics? I am just passionate about cattle genetics. I find them fascinating. I'm not going to claim to understand them, but oh yes, the <laughs> the uh, the cow herd that was out here was a hodgepodge of everything under the sun, uh, and still a large degree is. Um, there's Charley, there's Black Angus, there's there's crosses. Um, Dad would pick up cattle from the sale barn, essentially that other people didn't want, and uh, that was the cow herd. So, so yeah, it's um, and they're not they're not bad cows, but they're not um, they're not easy fleshing, easy keeping, low maintenance cattle. So um, I uh, I got interested in the South Pole breed um, and purchased a bull in 2018 and he's a four-year-old now he's a purebred south pole and then recently i went down uh to the uh pharaoh cattle company sale in alabama they had their first sale ever down there their composite sale and they actually have uh, some south poles as well in their program and i bought uh i bought a south pole bull down there as well so we got two purebred south pole bulls that we're going to be breeding um these commercial cows do very nice yeah do you direct market your cattle to the consumer or go through a sale barn um all sale barn uh right now and um that may change in the future some but i think we're, we're really close to a uh, really nice sale barn i mean it's 30 minutes right off the highway and um oh yes i think for the large majority of what we're going to be doing i want to increase the size of the herd um we may do a little direct marketing in the future, but for the cows anyways, I think we're going to be, we're going to be using the sale barn for a while. Oh yes. Are you keeping replacements out of your South Pole bull? We absolutely are. We have, uh, we have some half bloods on the ground now and, uh, I enjoy, they, they are thick. They are thick bulls. You know, time will tell, you know, good cattle, good cattle are proven over time. Not, not, not just because they're called the South Pole, but, uh, they're they're easy fleshing. They're they're slick. They got that cynical slickness to them. I mean, they're they're buckskin. Um, yeah, they're they're good bulls. And then um, I was going to mention too. We actually 
we had purchased 18 older cows from uh, Lauren and Linda Bogner out there in Missouri. And uh, they were kind of some of their older cows that they were looking to looking to get rid of. And they actually uh, have been line breeding and doing linear measurement on their herd for, uh, I don't know, 20 some years. So they're, it'll be interesting to see what kind of females we can get from, from this, but yeah, time. It just takes time with cattle. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yeah, it does. Right now we have some bulls that we're pretty excited to have heifers out of, but we purchased the bull. We use him for breeding. It's going to be about a year before we get any of those calves on the ground. And then we're waiting two more years before those daughters have their own calves. And then it's almost another year before we wean that calf and see what kind of production the daughter of that bull's done. So we're into four years just seeing if we like this bull's genetics for our, for our herd. Oh, gosh, I can't agree more. I, I it's, it's just... You know, this bull we just purchased, he, he was, he's fairly expensive, you know, and, and I, I, he's, I, he has promise, but you know, we're not going to see, he's going to be in this next breeding season. We're not going to see calves out of him for another year. I mean, it's just, those calves got to grow, you know, there's just so much that goes into the cattle cycle that, that when you're trying to build a herd, it, it's tough. It's tough to do it because, because you're going to have death loss. You're going to have calves, you know, heifers that don't breed. There's just things that happen that slow you down, you know, when you mean numbers. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Earlier you were talking about moving to rotational grazing and you had to improve your infrastructure. And when mm -hmm. we talk about infrastructure, obviously we have to consider fencing. So what did you do for your fencing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, fencing's huge, um, and, and ours is uh, fairly similar to what a lot of people are doing with intensive grazing. Um, I went and bought a sucker rod uh, from the oil field, a fiberglass sucker rod, and I bought a truckload of it. So I have a bunch of sucker rod. Oh, yes. Yeah, I went all in. I went all in on it and bought a ton of it, and I cut that up into uh, uh five foot, six foot posts. And, um, for my perimeter fencing, you know, I'm anywhere from some of it, I need to put up some more wire, but I'm anywhere from one to three wires on my perimeter. And then I am subdividing everything, um, in, with single strand high tensile electric, then put a, put a really big charger on it and haven't, haven't really had any problems on the charger side. I mean, for our size of farm and the charger I have, I have 10,000 volts across the whole the whole deal. What brand of energizer did you go with? Uh, it's a stay fix. It's um, the 36 jewel. Oh yes. Yep. Yep. With the fencing remote and it's very nice. Yeah. It's wonderful. Those remotes are wonderful. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, I wanted to mention this because I've experimented with a bunch of different corner bracings. Um, just just from a simplicity standpoint and ease of use, I have I have tried using um, a floating H brace, which um, Jim Garris recommended, and I enjoy that one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've used H braces, and I've used just large single hedge posts and put an insulator on it. What I what I'm using now, and I really like, is I'm just taking inch and a quarter fiberglass sucker rod, eight foot lengths of it, two of them, 
and I'm pounding that in the ground four feet just at a slight angle. And for all of, yes, so for all of my subdivision fencing is just those two posts and they hand, they handle my single strand with ease. I mean, cause when you're four foot in the ground on an inch and a quarter post and there's two of them, you got a lot of, you got a lot of resistance there. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because I can put in corners now just so fast because there's no, I don't need a tractor. I don't need a post hole digger. I don't need, I don't need to cement them in or tamp them in. Oh my goodness. So it's when you're wanting to put up some fencing, it's, it's nice. Very good. So tell me a little bit more about your corners. So you're putting an inch and a half post in the ground. You're putting another one right beside it. Yep. 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 And I can, I can take a picture and put it on Instagram or put it in a, in the show notes as well. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, so um, they're side by side. Yep. Yep. They're just side by side and I'm just taking a large sledgehammer or I'm sorry, a post hole driver. Okay. Pounding those, uh, four feet down and then I'm just drilling a hole at 30 inches and just doing a slip knot on it. Um, I just do a wire tie. Oh yes. Yeah. And it's, and man, you're off and running. It's, it's simple. It's easy and it's effective. So we just further subdivided our 240 acres. I had it, I had it in just split down the middle of the pasture and that gave me 1,320 feet on each side. And I subdivided that again to where now I'm down to 660 feet is, is my, is my runs, I guess I would say. Yeah. From North to South. So then you're stretching poly braid across them to, to make your subdivisions, however big you want them. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. We're, we're, uh, long, narrow rectangles and then, um, and then I have the water source out there. So, so this, this coming grazing season is going to be my first use of it and you know at this densities and it's it's going to be learning but it's going to be it's going to be fun so so in other words the growing season can't get here fast enough (laughs) yeah absolutely i think we could all say that you know (laughs) gosh oh i know i can say that i i am looking forward to green grass oh Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired of the cold. I'm tired of working in the cold. I'm tired of feeding hay in the cold, you know. In addition to the cattle, what else do you have on the farm? Everything else, I would say, is at a hobby level right now. Um, um, We're looking at increasing a few of those enterprises, but um, we have 20-some chickens. Um, We have four pigs, feeder pigs, that we typically do. Um, during, during the summer months, um, just in a hedgerow, um, we fence that all off and, and rotate them and just kind of have a small little family and friend thing there. And, um, we're going to, we're going into a, uh, sheep operation. Um, that's kind of our next enterprise that my wife is going to be heading up. She is, uh, we're going to go with Katahdin's, which I think I heard you have Cal. I understand that, right? Yes, I do. So, yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, we're going to be buying some Katahdin ewes, and um, I am building a. Uh, I bought a mobile home frame trailer, um, a sixty-five foot by eight foot, so it's just a a large frame. Yes. Y- yeah, and I'm building that into a large mobile sheep barn, 
Um, oh, okay. That I'm going to be pulling in the pasture with our little tractor behind the cow herd is my is my hopes and dreams. So, <laughs> so, so you kind of rotate them in a leader follower pattern. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the idea of what we're going to do. We, we have some Ceresia Lespedeza, not much, but we have some coming and um, oh, yes. I wanted sheep for multiple reasons, but I want to try to control that if I can. So that's, uh, that's part of it. That Ceresia Lespedeza is really nice for small ruminants. It has some talons in it Okay. that I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe it suppresses the egg laying ability of the per parasites. So while your small ruminants are running on Ceresia, they are not releasing as many eggs as they normally would. Okay. I think I'm correct. Be sure and look that up. I, uh, like I said, I don't have a sheep on the place right now, but, um, the cows don't like to touch it much. So, <laughs> oh, it requires a, a lot of grazing. You've got to rotate your cows to Ceresa when it's small to keep them grazing it. Otherwise, it starts getting stimmy and cattle aren't fond of it. Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's part of the idea with the sheep flock is to try to control some of that. But, um, yeah, we're going to start small and, uh, and, and, and the, the, the sheep barn is going to be the night structure. Um, and then we're going to have two strands oh, yeah. of poly braid that we're going to fence out for them and give them, give them pasture during the day and then put them up at night and try We have, we have really heavy coyote pressure out here. Um, so yes. we're, we're, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go through every measure I can. We're, we're going to try to put a dog with it uh, to try to try to keep them alive. <laughs> Yes, yes. Predators are the big issue you have to deal with there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we've actually lost a uh, lost a few calves, um, yes, which isn't, yes. I mean, not unheard of, but um, it takes a fairly aggressive coyote to to want to take out calves. So, yeah, yeah. We touched on Ceresa Lespedeza. What other forages do you have in your pastures? Yeah. So, um, so our area. Um, is um, almost all warm season grasses. Um, we're, we're a little bit unique in that we have, we do have some fescue. Um, we, there's a river, yes. right? We kind of come down into a valley a little bit and there's, so we have about 40 to 60 acres that uh, are predominantly fescue, but the majority of our pastures are uh, big blue stem, little blue stem, switchgrass, Indian grass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we are, we are seeing, um, some, um, it's, it's exciting when I see it, but I am seeing some Eastern gamma start to come as well. Oh, very so, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to go out. You know, it's when it puts on the sea head to head, it's super easy to identify. I'm not the best at identifying the grasses and, you know, it's got a little, it's got those very unique, big corn like seed heads and just makes me smile when I go and, Hey, there's, there's one, you know? <laughs> oh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. Sadly, we do not have it on our farm, and I'm not familiar with it. Well, I, I've read about it, but I've, I've never had any personal 
okay. experience with it. So I'm excited for your 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 uh, gamma grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I I guess when I was younger, I probably wasn't aware, but um, I in my three years of being out here, I hadn't started seeing it until this past year. And, um, I'm, oh, yes. I'm attributing that to that. It was here. Um, but it was just being grazed out and, um, with longer rest periods, I'm, I'm seeing oh, that. Yeah. Oh yes. That, that'll make a difference. Uh, we've transitioned to rotational grazing. We're not quite daily, but this coming year, we are going to um, be date. We're going to be doing daily rotations with part of the herd, at least. Maybe all the herd. It kind of just depends on how it goes. And you know, if if you got those cows out there continuously grazing a pasture, you don't see any vetch out there because as soon as it pops its head up, the cattle eat it. They take that bite and it's gone. Now, when you pull off and start doing more of that rotational grazing, you can see it growing up much more. <laughs> Makes you look like a better farmer, doesn't it? Just just leaving it alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's exciting to when you when you see the right things happening. You know, it just makes you want want more of that. You know, how do I do more of that? <laughs> now, now, do you have any plans for your forages? Or like bringing some seed in and, and broadcasting or no-tilling it in? Or are you just going to manage your forages with grazing? Yeah, so um, so we have um, all of the acreage, um, except for 100 acres, is in pasture. And I'm going to just leave that alone and, and let nature take its course there. And with longer rest periods, hopefully oh, yes. keep getting better grasses. But um, we have 100 acres of field. Um, that had been in field for as long as I've been alive um, in uh, traditionally like hay crops, different things, but a lot of tillage on it. Oh, yes. And um, it's pretty wore out, and I'm converting that back to grass. Um, that has been a slow process, but um, I'm feeding, feeding a lot of hay on it um, and mobbing the cows, essentially strip grazing them with hay. So trying to rebuild that that ground a little bit, and um, and I I have planted a few cover crops with pretty low success. We're we're on really sandy, uh, fairly poor soil just in general for the area. Um, oh yes. So so it's kind of a hard row to hoe with uh, you know because I'm not using any synthetic fertilizers on it, and so the cover crop can struggle uh, fairly 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 rough. Um, for the first few years is the way I understand it. And that's what I've experienced. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we have water out on that 100 acres now. So, it, you know, I have water every 250 feet. And uh, I'm actually wintering our calves out on that. We, we weaned our calves um, this fall. And I'm feeding hay and, uh, and, and watering them out on that 100 acres, stripping them on that currently. So I'm I'm trying to build that soil up the best I can. Very good. So yeah, it's just that it it just takes time, you know. I I I uh, I've, I actually got a plan to uh, I got a single shank subsoiler, and I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to subsoil it um, this spring, and I'm gonna go back in with a cover crop again. And 
and I guess I should mention this on the cover crop side. Um, I've tried some six-way mixes and some different things. And like I said, for the dollars invested, haven't quite seen the return uh, to make it worthwhile to do that. But um, Sun Hemp has done fairly well and uh, Cow Pea has done fairly well. Yeah, the, 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 the legumes don't need the nitrogen and, and they seem to they seem to handle my core soil a little better than some of the other stuff does. Oh, very good. Ryan, we've reached the point in our podcast where we have our famous four questions. They are the same four questions we ask of all of our guests. Our first question, what's your favorite grazing grass book or resource? Sure, yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm like a lot of people in, in, in this in this in this area i'm really interested in uh in this so i do a lot of reading um the one i'm reading currently is man cattle and belt uh by johan zietzman um he's a south african guy um he's he's fascinating he's you know he runs i don't know he he's been on really really large acreages with really large numbers of cattle and um it's yeah yeah he's it's a phenomenal book yeah it's really good and it's easy to read which is good for me. So, <laughs> oh yes, I I prefer those easier read books. I I prefer them with a few pictures. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If it gets too wordy, I, I might I might lose it. So yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I'll have to look that book up. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's on uh, it's on Amazon. Um, uh, my wife has banned beam. Oh, your wife has banned you? Yes, yes. I I buy too many books on there. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> well, um, I don't know what to tell you. That I guess I'll, I'll give me your address and I'll send you my copy. So <laughs> there we go. That's a plan. I'll yeah. have to look that up. Maybe I can convince her that I need just one more book. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's simple to read, and he, he goes into really good details on how he selects for heifer development and just very nice uh, grass management. Yeah, it's it's well done. Very good. Our second question is, what tool could you not live without on the farm? Um, I'm going to go with a really simple one. Um, my uh, Nipix pliers. Oh, yes. Um, they're insulated. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think Greg's recommended them before, and I think that's probably where I saw them at first but um you know as a farmer you you need pliers at least twice a day for something yeah and when you're when you're moving cattle on electric fence um on a regular basis i i do that i do that slip knot so i can pull that you know with those insulated pliers and they're just they're just handy they're just handy very good i'm moving to our third question what would you tell someone just getting started in grass farming? What would your present self tell yourself three years ago? Sure. Yeah. Boy, I would tell them, uh, this is I, a little bit different of an answer, but I, I think it's relevant. Um, it, develop your mind, um, uh, develop a strong mindset that, that, it's going to be okay. And you're going to work through your problems. Um, you know, I've, we've had a lot of, a lot of struggles out here. You know, this isn't easy to try to make this work economically. And, and I've, I've, 
I've quit my traditional job to do this and, um, it's not easy, but the struggle is worth it. You know, in, in the end, um, just put it that you're going to get that fence built. You're going to get that cow herd fixed. You're going to get that fence, that water line put in, you, you know, it just, just have a, just have a persistent mindset that you will have problems, but you will overcome those problems. Excellent advice. And like we've touched on a couple of times already, nothing in this happens overnight. No, not at all. Not at all. Not, not those, not those beautiful South Pole calves or the water line. It, it takes time. Yeah. Yes. And lastly, where can others find out more about you? Yeah. Um, I'm not on social media much, but our farm is luckily, uh, due to my wife. Um, she, uh, our, our name is uh, Keeling farm. Um, she runs an Instagram account and a Facebook account. And, um, I believe she has a YouTube and boy, I don't know what else. I think we have a website as well. So we are, <laughs> I think you have all those. <laughs> yes, you do. We are on, on the web. Um, but uh, she she updates Instagram on a regular basis and uh, does a good job with it. And she kind of even goes into some uh, like some cooking things and some different things that maybe a consumer could use too. Very good. Yeah, Ryan, we appreciate you coming on to the Grazing Grass Podcast. Yeah, no, thank you, Cal. I, I I've enjoyed I've enjoyed listening to the other to the other people you've had on here, and I don't. I don't feel deserving, but I, but I, I just appreciate you looking me up and, and, and taking the time to do this. And I think I've mentioned it to you. I, I know I've mentioned it to some other people, but if we waited till we were all experts to talk about it, there'd be no talking. <laughs> That's true. That is so true. Yep. Yep. You learn more in the failures than you do the successes. Oh, yes. Yes. We've, we've had plenty of those. Oh, yes. And, and you'll continue to have setbacks, but just focus on your successes and try and be a little bit better each day. That's it. That's it. Yep. 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 There's just, you know, I don't know with, with farming, it's just, uh, you know, you, you have to know so much about so many different areas. Um, you know, when the tractor doesn't start, okay, is it the starter or the battery? Well, when the cow isn't, isn't calving on time is 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 she laboring down or is or is there an abnormal presentation um you know is the storm coming in today or tomorrow night you know are the calves fed do they have what you know it's just your job title is just a mile long so oh yes it's it's that one saying jack of all trades and master of none <laughs> that's it that's it that's that's what i was looking to say right there yeah yeah that's it <laughs> Ryan, again, we've appreciated you coming on to our podcast. Did you have a question in mind that I didn't ask today? Well, if you want to visit grazinggrass.com and click on Ask Your Question, you can fill out the form there and submit your question to ask, and we'll have a future episode with our guests answering your questions. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast. Helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, share our episodes with others, and leave us a review where you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep grazing grass. 
I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them. And we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. Until next time, keep on grazing grass.